Welcome to another episode of Yoruba by Podcast. My name is Temilola. First off, I just want to thank everyone that listened to the first episode. I really, really, really appreciate the time that you spent, all eight minutes of it. Thank you so much. I also received lots of positive feedback from everyone. For many people, this was the first time that they heard her story and that really made me happy because this is a labor of love for me. And I also got lots of suggestions on how to improve the podcast and to everyone that offer that to me, just know that I will apply all that you said. The final housekeeping is to let you know that I'm working on guessing the podcast on all platforms. That's it. Let's get on to episode two. So the second episode is Sarah Forbes Bonessa, also known as Queen Victoria's goddaughter and also known as Aino Omoba. Aino was born in 1843. This was during the tail end of the Yoruba Wars. For those who don't know, the Yoruba Wars lasted for centuries. It was basically different villages and different ethnic groups, sub-ethnic groups, just warring for reasons that we will get into when we do discuss the Yoruba Wars. Thousands of people were captured and turned into slaves or killed by the warring factions. During one of those raids in Okiodon in Egbaland, a five-year-old girl called Aino was captured and her parents were killed by the Dahomey soldiers. The Dahomey people are another ethnic group that are in present-day Benin Republic. Aino was kept in the royal courts of King Gezo after her capture. One of the stories that I read said that they think that she might have been in line to be used as human sacrifice, as that was common in those days and it wasn't even frowned upon it is not clear how she was found but the story goes that captain frederick of the royal navy found her and bargained for her to be released he requested king gezo give her to queen victoria and he said quote she would be a present from the king of the blacks to the queen of the whites I try to be careful not to judge people from the past through the lens of 2020. Those times, the language was different. People spoke differently. But I also think that it was a stroke of genius to play to that king's ego by saying, you're the king of all the black people. Why don't you give this little girl to the queen of all of the white people? Luckily for us and for Captain Frederick, his wish was granted and Forbes had custody of Aino. One of the first things that Forbes did was he renamed Aino Sarah Forbes Bonetta after his ship, HMS Bonetta. So going forward, I will be describing her as Sarah. I would mention the Aino name because I don't want it to die. So Forbes had custody of Sarah and he took over her education. Then Forbes wrote to England to say, I have only to add a few particulars about my extraordinary present, the African child. One of the captors of the dreadful slave hunt was this interesting girl. He further added that she's a perfect genius. She now speaks English well and has great talent for music. It does look like Aino was thriving under Captain Forbes and she was soaking up all of the opportunities that she had like a true Yoruba girl would. 
He described her as in advance of any white child of her age in aptness of learning and strength of mind and affection. It makes sense for him that he would describe her to a white child. Again, we cannot fault him looking through the lens of 2020. That was the language that he could use then, but it does appear that Aina was thriving. So after spending all of the time in Nigeria with Forbes to gain all of the graces and all of the education that she would need to be a perfect gift to the Queen of England, in 1850, Aina was taken to England. She lived with Forbes and his family for a while, but from from November 9, 1850, Sarah Forbes Vanessa was introduced to Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. It was said that Queen Victoria was impressed by her intelligence and poise. Queen Victoria covered all of Sarah's expenses, so for her education and boarding. After one year of living in Britain, she developed a cough thought to be caused by the English weather, and this led to the decision to have her live in a similar climate in Sierra Leone. Sarah studied at the female institution of the Church Missionary Society in Freetown, but she was unhappy and was brought back to England in 1855 at the age of 12. I mean, it does seem like for young Sarah, she's moved around a lot at such a young age, had experienced a whole lifetime. Like things that people will not experience in their whole life, this young woman has already faced. Like she's been in a war. Her parents were killed, so she faced that trauma. She was captured as a slave. That is another trauma. And then she was rescued by this person and had to learn a different language, learn music, and all of these skills that she would never have had to learn. And then she moved to a new, completely different country, and only after a year was a little bit sick, and then moved to another country. So it makes sense that she would be unhappy because she hasn't had time to, like the moment she forms an attachment with any group of people, she's essentially yanked away from that place and then moved somewhere else. So it does say that she was brought back to England at age 12. The next significant date in Sarah's life was in 1862. Then she was already 19 years old. It talks about how she was invited to wedding of Queen Victoria's daughter. But more importantly, the Queen gave Sarah permission to marry Captain James Pinson Laboulot Davis. Apparently, the Queen has to give permission to people that are under her care to get married and do things like that. So she was given permission to marry him. Sarah and James Davis got married at St. Nicholas Church in Brighton. So Captain Davis, the man that Sarah married, was a very successful businessman and pioneer in many sectors. Um, about him, I will talk about him in detail at a later episode. He's actually a great man in his own right. And he's such an important figure that you would recognize him when I talk about the types of things that he's had a hand in. He provided the seed funding to establish CMS Grammar School, the oldest secondary school in Nigeria. He deserves an episode dedicated to him all by himself. So we're not going to um, talk about him too much in, in this episode. After marriage, Sarah and James moved to Sierra Leone, where Captain Davis was actually born. It is said that Sarah enjoyed a close relationship with her godmother, Queen Victoria, and continued to be welcomed in the royal courses. Her first child, with the permission, again the permission, of the queen was named Victoria. The queen also became godmother to little Victoria Davis. Sarah, after having Victoria, went on to have two more children. 
And it also recorded that Sarah did perform other activities and she started teaching in Freetown as well. It isn't clear when, what year they moved to Lagos, but the only reference I have of that is that because her husband was a businessman in Lagos, they must have moved. The queen was still protective of her, so much so that she and Samuel Ajayi Crowther were the only Lagos indigents the Royal Navy had orders to evacuate in the event of an uprising. So Bishop Ajayi was a Yoruba linguist ordained in England and Nigeria, and famous for translating the Bible into the Yoruba language. There isn't much that is said about what Sarah was doing in Lagos. I think apart from when she was teaching in, in Freetown, if I find interviews from her descendants, that would be great. I can always put that, add that to this episode in a future date. But after then, the only thing that comes up next is unfortunately her demise. And 15th of August in 1880 in Madeira Island in Portugal, Omoba Aino, passed away. Her husband, Captain Davis, erected a granite monument in memory of her at Ijon, Lagos. I searched for a picture of this monument. I don't know where it is. Nigeria, for the most part, does not have a very good reputation or history of keeping records. In the monument that he erected to her, it reads, in memory of Princess Sarah Forbes Bonetta, wife of J.P.L. Davis, who depart this life at age 36. She died pretty young. And there is another memorial for her at the English Cemetery in Madeira. The pictures and the links will be included in the show notes. There's also an interview by the BBC that talks about how Sarah was a bit of a celebrity in England when she lived there. She was very much a catalyst for conversation about race, identity, slavery, and empire in Victorian times. So she has had a huge impact. Many of the Bonetta Davis descendants live in Lagos, Freetown, and some of her descendants, notably her daughter, Victoria Davis, and remember the one that was named after the queen, went on to marry J.K. Randall, a successful doctor, creating a lineage of one of the more prominent families in Lagos. She's one of the least recognized stories about the history of the Yoruba people. This woman's life went from tragedy to luck or fate and she went through a lot of changes as a very young person and although her life was short her life was impactful i mean we're talking about her today some of the things that exist in lagos are because of her Thank you again for listening to another episode. I really enjoyed doing the research on this one. I have lots of links in the show notes about pictures of her family, of her husband, of her children. One of the journals from Queen Victoria that references not just Sarah, but her daughter as well, Victoria, her other goddaughter. Also remember to subscribe, rate the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and also share with your friends. Again, thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you soon.